this week's parsha is Parsha's Vayera. And the Pasuk says that after Abraham Avinu hosted the Malachim, then he escorted them on their way. Abraham Avinu went with them to send them off. And Rashi says that means to be malava them, to escort them uh, on their path, on their journey. And I saw that there are Mepharshim that ask a question on the diktuk of this Pasuk. For those of you that may have a, an eye to diktuk, have a, have a, a certain appreciation for diktuk. And it's a simple diktuk that we would have all probably picked up on. When a word is halach, halach means past tense, he went. When it's Lashon Haiba, when it's in the present tense, it's Haileich, he is going. This Pasuk in general, and most Pasukim for that matter, are always written in a Lashon Avar, because it's, it's a narrative, it's telling a story about what happened. So it should have really said, Avram Halach Imam L'Shalcham, that Avram went with them to send them on their way, but it doesn't say that. It said, Avram Haileich, Imam L'Shalcham. He is going with them to send them on his way. Now, that might not keep you up at night, that question, but it's a question that's troubled uh, many Mepharshim that I saw, and each gave their own answer, and I'd like to give an answer of my own. Before we give this answer to this question, we have to know a maral. Maral has many, many svarim. He was very prolific. And probably the most widely used of the svarim of the Maral is the Gor Aryeh, which is his commentary on Rashi. So whenever you see a Rashi and you're bothered by something that Rashi says, one of the first places that you would look is the Gor Aryeh, which was written by the Maral of Prague. But he has many other svarim. One of the other svarim is called Nesivas Eilam, or Nesivais Eilam. And in the Nesiv called Gemilas Chasadim, Nesiv Gemilas Chasadim in the fifth parak, he explains what the Indian of being Malavis somebody is all about. What does it mean? We know that there's a mitzvah of escorting somebody after they have been a guest in your house for a meal or for a stay. You don't just say from your dining room table, okay, good Shabbos, and let them go out on their own but you're supposed to walk them out the door. You're supposed to be malava them. Uh, it depends on the level of who they are. If it's just an ordinary person, you would be malava them for Dalit Amis. If it's a, a Rebbe, you would go to a much further distance. And if it's an Adam Chashev, there's different shiurim that the Gemara and Saita give for, depending on who you're escorting out, you would escort them out a certain shear. Now, what is this all about? What is the importance of this? Now, if you're saying, well, maybe it's not so important. It's a very important mitzvah, Levoy. Why? Because there is a parsha in the Torah called Egla Rufa. Egla Rufa involves a, a scenario that, let's say there's a dead body that's found in between two cities. And you don't know who killed this poor guy. This guy was murdered by somebody. You don't know who murdered him. Where did where, where the murderer come from? Where is he? We don't know. 
So there's a whole parsha how the zakenim have to go and uh, Bestin goes and they take a like a tape measure and they measure out a very exact measurement which city is closer to this corpse that was found. And there's a lot of sugis and saita about how exactly to measure it and how, uh, you know, let's say there's like valleys and hills, how do you measure that? You know, how do you take all that into account? Is it just like a, is it just that you draw a straight line from point to point or do you have to actually, you know, take the tape measure on these valleys and hills, which would add, anyway, but the point is that when you finally conclude which is the city that's technically closer to the mace, there is a parsha that the canim of that city, the elders of that city that's closest to the mace that was found, have to say a certain formula, they have to say a certain nusach, and it goes that, that this person uh, was not killed by us. We didn't kill this guy. We were not responsible for this guy's murder. And the Gemara asks, what did Vichyolsa al Daitenu, did it really ever occur to anybody that these rabbis with long beards, these older rabbis, Chashev people, they murdered this guy? Of course not. So what are you saying this whole thing for? Obviously, what do you, you know, you don't have to like, you know, state that. That's so Pasha. So Chazal say no. What the Pasuk means to say is that we didn't see him go out and not escort him out of the city. Had we seen him, this guest in our city, we don't know who he is, but had we seen that there was a guest in our city and he's on his way out, we would have walked him a certain shear, whatever that shear is, whatever that, the requisite amount of levoy that would be required, we would walk him a certain amount, let's say Dalat Amis, and then, and then we would basically protect him that way and he would have probably not died, but we didn't see him. So we're basically innocent because we didn't see him, and then they take a, an egg la rufa, they take a calf, they break its neck, and they throw it down into, a, into an arid, rocky valley called the Nachal Eisan, and that's the kapara for that city and for the Zikne Hayir Azais. So the Maral wants to know, wait a minute, what is so powerful about this mitzvah of Levaya that it's so important that they wouldn't have walked him the entire way, they would have walked him a little bit. So how would that have prevented the guy from being murdered, uh, you know, a mile, three miles away from the, from the ending point of, of the Levoy? I walk him out, uh, you know, a little bit out, maybe outside of the city limits. And then I say goodbye, Shalma, you know, take, say, Shalom, it's been really nice getting to meet you. And then he goes on his way. Well, he wouldn't have been attacked by the, by the murderer had, he, had I escorted him. Why does Levoy give him like a, a sort of protection what does that do? So the Maral says something absolutely amazing. The Maral says that every single person was Nivra B'Tselem Aleichem. Every person was created with B'Tselem Aleichem. We all have, we're, we're created in the image of Hashem. We're created in the image of God. But, in order for the image of God to really be apparent, you have, to, you have to be able to properly maintain that image of God. You have to make sure that that image of God that you have has the right covet being given to it. Because if I have a, a, an image of God in me, that's great, but it has to be expressed, it has to be appreciated, it has to be realized. 
how do you realize the image of God? You have to have people that give you a little covet. If people honor you and respect you for having the Tzalm Aleichem, then you're going to, the Tzalm Aleichem is like polished, and now it feels good, and now you really feel that Tzalm Aleichem. If everybody, let's say, treats you like garbage, so then you might have a Tzalm Aleichem, but you're, you're beaten, and you're bruised, and you're battered, and you don't feel so good about yourself. So you're walking around like, like in a posture and body language that just says, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I got nothing going for me. But if you have the proper covet, if people extend to you the proper honor and respect that you deserve being in the Tzalem Alekim, now you feel good about yourself. Now you feel like you're a mensch, you're strong, you're powerful, you're capable. The Maral says that if people would have escorted this person out of the city limits, or even Daladamas outside of their house, the person would have had a great feeling going on their journey. Because, wow, somebody took the time and the effort to walk me out. That means that they're machshav me. They, they think that I'm, I'm, I'm relevant. They think I'm important. They, they, they see that Salam Aleichem inside of me. They see that I was created in the image of God. They're giving me the proper cover that I, that I need. That person will walk on their path beyond the Levoy, beyond the point that they separated the person that was Malava and the person that was being escorted, he, continued, uh, he continues on his path. How is he walking? He's walking Gishmak. He's walking with Shtaltz. He's walking like he's Superman because he feels good. He is Superman. He's never B'Tselem Alekim. Somebody appreciated that he was never B'Tselem Alekim. So now that he feels like somebody actually gave him the respect that he deserves, and fully appreciated how great he was, now he walks like a, like a, like a mensch. He walks on, on his road, you know, like, he's, like he's, he's worth a million bucks. And when he's walking like he, like he owns the world, the muggers, the murderers that are looking to, to they're not going to attack him because he's like scary to them. He's, he's on fire, this guy. This guy's too powerful. This guy is like, he looks like he has, he's, he's like, you know, he's, what do they call it? He's uh, packing heat. Is that, what, that the expression? That he looks like he's got a gun on him. He looks like he's, he's got something up his sleeve. He's walking with a little too much confidence. We're going to wait till the next guy comes down the road. We're going to wait till the, you know, the Nebuch guy comes along, like, you know, walking like, uh, you know, like very meek and very humble and very like uh, insecure. Then we're going to pounce on him. We're not going to pounce on that guy. So the Maral says that the mitzvah of Levaya, this mitzvah to escort somebody outside of your house and beyond to a certain limit is so powerful because it literally can save the guy's life. Aye, but I'm not, but he's not, I'm not taking him across the entire journey. I'm not taking him from door to door. I'm leaving him in the middle of a forest and God knows who's going to pounce on him, but you're not. What you're actually doing is that covet that you gave him up until the point that you parted ways stays with him. It stays with him the entire way. He feels that covet. He feels like so good about himself because you gave him that extra special attention, that love, that covet that you felt he was worthy of escorting out the door and beyond. You know, your 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 Daladamas. You're giving him that respect that nobody ever gave him. Maybe. 
And now he feels so good. Every step that he takes, even though you're not with him anymore, every step that he takes, he feels that he has a tzalem elikim. He feels, he feels powerful. He feels great. He feels, um, he feels like he's a, he's a kol yachal in a way. He has that tzalem elikim. He has that godliness. I could take on the world. Nobody's going to start with me. People only start up with people that they feel are insecure and that are fragile and that are vulnerable. Those are the people that are the prey of those predators. But a predator is not going to go near somebody if they think that this guy's going to give them a run for their money. And that's exactly what this guy has. Because you escorted him a little bit, the morale says that cupboard that you gave him stays inside of him. It's baked into his Salam now. And now that he has that, he feels invincible. He feels powerful. And he walks like that. And his body language bespeaks. He's a Salam Aleichem. You don't start up with him. So it literally saved the guy's life. When you're Malavim, it's not just a little thing. Okay, it's very nice. It's a, you know, it's a nice extra touch of Achnasas Archem that you're doing. It's really very, very... It's the primary part of Achnasas Archem. You might have given him like a you know, $100 meal and a $200 bottle of schnapps inside of your house. But it's when you're malavim, that Dalit Amis, or that little bit until the corner, wherever it is, and you make him feel special on the outside of your house, that is what saves the guy's life. That's why the Zakane have to say, I promise, we didn't see him uh, leaving the city. We would have, we would have, uh, we would have escorted him had we seen him. What, what does that have to do with it? How would that, you were the, what, the Ziknei here would have actually walked him? The, no. But the cover that you would have given him by escorting him and making his Selim sparkle and shine and gleam, that would have saved his life. That would have been like the bulletproof protection that he, that he needed and that he didn't have. So getting back to our Pasuk and plugging it in a little bit, the Pasuk is saying that Avram, when Avram was Malava, these guests of his, Avram Avram is walking with him, with them. He is walking, he, in the present tense, he's continuously walking with them. Why? He didn't just walk with them, the Yitzhah's mitzvah of Levaya, turn around and that was the end of the mitzvah. The actual mahus of the mitzvah. What is levaya? Levaya is the mitzvah that you take him a little bit on the road, but you're, the cover that you gave him stays with him. It's like you're with him the whole way. You didn't just leave him and now he's back alone. He has the power that you invested in him. He has that cover, that respect, that, that shtaltz, that, that, that feeling, that pride, that somebody cared enough about me. They thought I was chasher. They escorted me. And I walk like as if the person is still with me the entire way. I think about him the whole way, and I feel proud that he was with me every step of the way, even when he's no longer with me. Avram continued to walk with him, even after he, was, he left them, but he was still his presence, his ruach, his covet was still continuously with them every step of the way. The Rambam says something amazing. This part of the mitzvah of like I said before, you'd think it's the most insignificant part of the mitzvah. I just gave you a whole meal. I just fed you really good food. I gave you to drink delicious wine, schnapps, snapple. I gave you the works. 
and now I walk you out. Which is the main part of the mitzvah? A, B, or C? Achila, Shti, or Levaya. Which one? Eshel, Avram. Achila, Shti, or Levaya. I would say Achila. Or maybe it depends on my, uh, what type of bourbon I gave you. If I gave you some Woodford, I would say Shtia. But the Ramam says no. The Ramam is Mechadesh Tas, that it's Levaya. It's the third part of the mitzvah, the, the, the free part of the mitzvah, the cheapest part of the mitzvah, is the main part of the mitzvah, Nazazarchim. Vuhu Achaik, the Ramam starts getting into, into Drosha here. Vuhu Achaik, Shechakaku Avraham Avinu. This is the, this is the, the rule. Or this is the um, the practice that Avram Avinu was chokak. He 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 conceived of this concept. He was mechadish this concept of levaya, of escorting the guest out. The derech chesed shenayeg ba. This is the the way of chesed that he was nayeg. This is what he used to do. Michael Ivre Drachim. If you want to look up this Rambam, it's in Hilchas Avel Parak Yudalad Halacha Beis. Amazing Rambam. He says, what the, this is what the formula of Avram was. He would feed the, the, the wayfarers, the people walking back and forth on the road. He would give them to eat. And then he would give them to drink. And then he would escort them out. This was the, this Avram Not Don't just invite the guest into your house, give him to eat, give him to drink, but also escort him out. What's the source for this? Where does Avram get that this is Avram Avinu's Chiddush? So, I saw in Reb Chaim Kanievsky's Sefer on the Rambam, he has a beautiful Sefer called Kyrgios Melech. It's an amazing Sefer. We have it down in the base Medrash. It's, it's exactly what you would think Reb Chaim Kanievsky would write on the Rambam. It's basically, the Rambam has Nisei Kalim. Yeah, right around the Rambam, as you know, there's the Kesed Mishnah, there's Lecha Mishnah, there's the Mishnah of Melech. There's different, different, we call them the Nisei Kalim. They're the ones that are carrying the vessels of the Rambam, as it were. And they give sources for where the Ram gets it from. So for the Ram, if you're learning Ilchas, uh, you know, the Halachas about Ilchas uh, Geirushin, so then it'll source it, oh, this is a Gemara in Gittin, Chafbez and Abez, that's what some of this, you know, they'll, and you'll find pretty much all of the sources, and there, but there are many times that the Nisei Kalim on the Ram and these Mepharshim fail to, to tell you where the source is. Not that they didn't know it, but for some reason they didn't, they didn't mention it. Chaim Kanievsky comes along in, uh, in the 1900s, in the late 1900s, and says, I'm going to track down every source for every Rambam in, in the Mishnah Taira. It's an amazing thing. And you think, okay, probably, it's probably a skinny little pamphlet. Like, how many can you find that? The Nisei Kalim, the great Rabbi Yisif Kara and other great Kedem who wrote the Nisei Kalim, you know, that they, they missed. But he found thousands of them. There's a whole thick safer in small, fine print that has, you go through everything, you go, so I went into El-Khazaba, where is the source of this Rambam? Where does the Rambam get that? This is Avram's Chiddush. So he says, because Chazal say, when Eshel Avram, also in the six parashas, Achil Ashti Elavaya, a Gemara in Saita, and a Medrash, but I think that the Rambam gets it from this Pasuk. This Pasuk is saying black and white, you don't have to come up with drushes, this is a Mephorosh Pasuk, Rashi says that it's uh, referring to Levi. I don't know why Reb Chaim Kanievsky didn't put. I have to write my own curious Melech and uh, of the things that Reb Chaim missed. Just joking, but I don't want lightning to strike me right now. But um, it's a pella that this uh, this is Mamashu Beferish. You don't have to come up to Drushes of Eshel Abram, but it's uh, this is a uh, pasuk I mean, you know, you don't have to. It's not rocket science that 
of Avram Hoylochim Ashali. He's escorting them. So this is a chiddush that the Ram says. It's not just the achila and shi. When we think about the achnasarachim Avram, we think, oh, he, he gave them to eat tongue with mustard and and he got them water and he did this and he did that. Nobody ever focuses on the levaya part, but the pasuk does. And the pasuk says, Avram Hoylochim The greatness of Avram was that he was mekayim this maral, that he gave them covet. He gave them the ability to feel amazing about themselves. And you could give somebody all you want to eat and all you want to drink, but if you don't walk him out of your house, it's really bad because you're missing the main part of the mitzvah, and that's making the person feel good about himself. There's a story that's told about the Vilna Gain. And I was always bothered by this, by this story, and I'm still bothered by it a little bit, but I think I have a little bit of a way of softening the problem that I had with it. This is how the story goes. In the city of Vilna, which is where the, the Gra was the Merid Asra, so there was a person, a very wealthy Yid, and he was a very big Machnes Erech very hospitable, and he always had tons of yeshiva bachrim, you know, eating by him, and, and, and aniyam eating by him, and he was really, really generous. He served them on beautiful china, and delicious foods, and, and wine, and he was a really great machnasarach. And one day, his house burned down. House burned down, and everybody in Vilna was shocked, because if one person should have had, like, a a security system around his house, a spiritual iron dome around his house protecting it from, from fire, it should be this guy because he used his house mamish as a as a as a Merkava Lashina. He was like being a Machnasarach. He was a, a superb Machnasarach. So people were really bothered by this. You know, we all have sometimes these philosophical problems, you know, how could such a thing happen to this person, how could such a thing happen to that person, this person was in Hatzalah, and how could he die that way, and how he should, this Muslim should have protected him. We always have these types of questions, but we don't have the Vilna Gain to ask these questions, too. They did. So they went to the Vilna Gain, and they said to the Vilna Gain that, um, why did it happen? How could such a thing happen? How could he lose his house? One thing, if his horse dies, maybe, or he, you know, but, but for his house to burn down, he was a machlis Arab. What, what more could he have done? So this is how the story is told. The Vilna Gain said to them, let me ask you a question. Did he give people to eat? Yeah, oh my gosh, you should see Mamish on Yantif. He brought out these ribs. They were unbelievable, like, you know, these dinosaur ribs with the bones sticking up. And, uh, you know, it was amazing, and he gave uh, sushi, and he gave everything that you wanted. People were, like, stuffed when they went out of his house. And did he give people to drink? Did he give them shisiya? Oh, you got to see what he had. He had, like, this refrigerator, and it had, like, a wine cellar, and, you know, it had had every bottle of wine. If you wanted sweet wine, you wanted semi-dry wine, you wanted Cabernet Sauvignon, you wanted schnapps. He had everything. It was amazing. And the, and the guy says, and was he malava the guests out of the house once he was finished serving them? Did he walk you out of the house? Was he malava you? And they scratch their heads and they say, actually, no. We don't remember him ever being malava. But, you know, he gave us such a great, you know. 
he never was malaba. He would wave goodbye, he'd say, have a good Shabbos, good Yantif, but like he never walked us out of the house. So the guy said, now I understand why this happened to him. Because there's something called Eishel Avram. And Chazal say Eishel stands for Achila, Shesia, and Levaya. Avram Avinu excelled in giving this three element, three facets, if you will, of Achnas He gave to eat, he gave to drink, and then he was malava them out. This person gave Achila and gave Shesia, but he failed to give Levaya. If you have Aleph, Shin, and Lamed, minus the Lamed, what are you left with? You're left with Aish. And so that's why his house must have burned down. Now, on face value, if you just want to say this over at a cocktail party, it goes down smoothly. But if, you want, if you're actually the type of person that stops and thinks about this, it's a little frightening because, like, okay, that's a cute var. That's nice, that Aish, you know, minus the Aish, minus the Lamed is Aish. But is he worse than his next door neighbor that never had anybody over? Like, well, like, you know, like what? What he, is it? So bad that he he wasn't malava somebody that he deserved to have a fire burn down the house. I mean, it, he two out of three ain't bad. Achila shtia, that's a chashiva thing. Also, why, why is Levaya because he wasn't malava people? Now his house has to burn down for that. And this is something that troubled me for many, many, many years. And I don't really have a great answer, but I think I have a decent answer, which I want to share with you. Let's understand the psychology of somebody that's machnis eirach. You're vachrim, so you don't really have the vantage point of understanding, perhaps, the, the psyche of a machnis eirach. Because as a vachr, you're not, you're not a balabas yet, that you're actually inviting people over. When you get married, Suddenly, you get that itch to start having, you know, bachrim over and, and relatives over and uh, in Lutna. Um, and, you know, you have that, you have that title all of a sudden to, uh, I really hope my in laws are not watching this. Um, but you have that title all of a sudden to, to have guests at your table. Now, what's the title? What's the, the title is like this You're sitting at, in your home. At your table, you're at the head of the table, you get the seats with the armrests on it, everybody else has to not have armrests. And, and now, you know, your wife baked a, a beautiful meal and chalas and, and she cooked delicious, uh, you know, foods and soup and gefilte fish and you're the balabas. The spotlight is on you. You're it. And everybody's looking to you and you're like being machavis, singing a zemmer, you know, like, you know, uh, anyone have a dvaratai around? Like, you're, all of a sudden you're the Rosh Hashiva here. And you're, you know, you're commanding people, and you're being, who's the Balmanagana? You know, like you're, you're, you're fearing Tish, exactly what that means. You're, you're controlling the table. You're, 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 you're running the table. And there's a very big taiva for that. That's a very understandable, you know, taiva. But it's not hachnasus archem in the purest form. It's not hachnasus archem in the purest form, because it's, it's really not about the guests as much as it's about you. I'm inviting you over to my house, and now I have you as my guest. You're my captive audience. You have to listen to me singing. You have to listen to me saying my Divrei Taira, all of them, on the parasha. And then we have to, you know, I decide what we're talking about, what we're not talking about, and what we're, we have like, a, that, that's, that's, 
Hachnasas Archem, but it's a it's a Shalilishma Hachnasas Archem. It's it could very easily be about me. There's a story about Rav Shach. Though when Rav Shach was a bacher, he once went to a uh, he once ate by a balabas. In the olden days, they didn't have yeshivas that have like a nice dining room with a meal plan and free food and Shabbos and Yantiv and all that. They Bachrim just had a base medrash to learn in. They had a shear from a rabbi reshiva, and then they had to be housed and hosted by balabatim in town. It was called eating teg. Eating teg teg means a day in Yiddish. So, so you're eating a day here, a day there. So you know, on Sunday I eat by the cones for for lunch, and I eat by the levies for for supper, and then on on Tuesday I eat by a different family, and then on Shabbos I go to another place. And you're basically on a rotational system of where you get to eat. But there's no yeshiva with, with and that's a modern, more modern uh, invention to have a yeshiva with food in it. That's a chiddush. That was part of you know Chaim Belozhner's uh, chiddush of what what yeshiva is supposed to be. So all this like dormitories and food that's new. So but in the only days you have to like basically find a place to sleep. You stayed by a balabas. You ate by a different balabas. And Rav Shach, when he was a bacher, he was eating with a friend by a certain balabas for the first time that they ate by this new new host. And and the new host, like basically Friday night, they were starving. These boys, they weren't eating like they didn't have like you know pizza at three o'clock on Friday afternoon after playing a game of you know they were learning, 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 and then when they stopped learning, they learned a little more that there wasn't really that much food to go around to begin with. These are very poor communities that that they didn't have all that we have. Unfortunately, they didn't have that what we have, and uh, so they were really hungry. Now, so this guy invites them to the meal, and you know, a beautiful table, and and the the, the kitchen smells delicious. The food smells are wafting in, and Rav Shach is like really, really hungry, and his friend is really, really hungry, and bef- they eat a little challah, and then before they get to the fish, before the fish is brought out, and then and any of the other courses, first this balabas starts sing sing this really slow long Zmiris and he was tone deaf and like the boys are like you know like they're about to faint like they're so like you know like when is this ever going to be over already we just want to eat a little bit we didn't come here to and this guy's wife comes in she hops what was going on and she says in front of the boy she says do you think that these yeshiva bachim came to hear you sing they didn't hear it come to hear you sing they came to, to eat something Let's stop this miris and let's uh, and give them something to eat. You know, the Chavitz Chaim is told that when he would have Archem in the house on Shabbos, um, he would have very often poor people in the house, and he wouldn't sing Shalom Aleichem until they had like a, a certain amount of food in their stomach. And, the, and then he sang Shalom Aleichem. Once you had your, your challah and your fish and your soup, then he starts singing Shalom Aleichem. And he explained that malachim don't eat. So we have that's also this week's parsha. Malachim don't eat; they're not hungry, so they could get away. We don't. I could welcome them and, and say goodbye to them a little bit later. But aniim, they do eat; they're hungry. So let me feed them first, and then, and then after that, I'll sing shalom aleichem. So achila and shtia is not necessarily always a perfect act of achmasas arachim because. It's about, very often, it could, it's not always, sometimes it's very altruistic, but very often it's about the host. 
more than it is about the guest. And again, you have to be maybe older, and when you're married, you'll come back to me and say, Rebbe, now I understand what you meant in that schmooze. Because it's a, it's a good feeling to have guests, and your wife is happy, and you're happy in it. What's the main test? What's the main test of how Lishma, the entire act of Achmas was? The main test is, let's say it's in the middle of the winter and the snow is falling and there's ice and there's rain and there's sleet and now you know, you're sitting in your comfy home and you're the, you're the host, your guests are leaving now and I have to walk the guests out of my house and I have to like walk them down the block or to the city limits or whatever it might be and I'm freezing cold and I really, and I really just want to be in my house but I, I do the mitzvah of Levaya for the that's something that is purely altruistic. That's something that's totally for the guest. It's not about me. If it was about me, I'd say goodbye from my table near my fireplace. I wouldn't be walking you anywhere near the door because it's freezing or in the summer it's boiling outside. I don't want to walk outside. I, I want to stay in my air-conditioned home. I walk you out and I walk you whatever it is. That shows, that's meyed kemeya edim about what the entire Achmasus Arkham was. Isn't just like a PS, an ice, a cherry on top of the story of his Achnazarchim. It was basically the Haggadah's Eidos. It was the testimony that the entire act of Avram Avinu was perfect. His Achnazus Archim, when he gave them to eat, when he gave them to drink, it was all about them. Because when he walks with somebody after the whole thing is over and he's not the Balabas anymore and he's out in the street with the rest of them where they're all now on equal, it's an equal playing field out there and I'm still walking with you, I'm still giving you that covet for your, for your Tzalem Kim, as the Maral says. That's a sign that your entire act of Achnaz Zarchem was really L'Shem Shamayim. So I was thinking that perhaps the pshat in this story with the Gain was that if you have Achila, this Talabas had a great act of Achila, check that box, great act of Shtia, check that box, but he was missing the Levaya, missing the Levaya isn't just two out of three ain't bad, missing the Levaya shows that he really wasn't the Machnes Erech that people thought he was, that he was really doing it for himself, he was doing it with the Eish, with the passion that he had for being a Balabas, for being a host instead of doing it for the guests. Because if he had really had the guests fully in mind, he would have gladly escorted them out the door. The fact that he says, no, 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 goodbye, I'm done with you, like, throw you out. Goodbye, uh, you know, I, I, we're, we're done. Now we part ways, you got your food, you got, you know, I'm done with you. That shows that the Achila and Shtia were nothing either. Or I shouldn't say nothing, but it was, uh, it was Shalai Lashma. And so all you're left with is Aish. You have the passion to feed them and to drink them for your, to give them to drink for yourself, and that passion, that fire, is what mida kneged mida consumed. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, you know, that it's a perfect answer, but I think it gives a little bit of a of a pirish on this story of the Vilna Gain. I just want to be myself one other thing, two other things, that that Nachal Esam, where you throw the animal down at the end of this process, if you weren't Malaba then, so Nachal Esam means that it's a, uh, a rocky, very dry terrain, a valley, a Nachal uh, that's, that's very rocky, that's very dry, and, uh, just Agavorcha, 
once we're talking about the stipe, about Rebchaim Kanievsky Svarim, he wrote a sefer when he was, I think he was 18 years old, and it's called Nachal Eisan, and guess what it's on? It's on these halachas of Egla Rufa. And you think, like, how much can you write already on Egla Rufa? Like, uh, you know, it's a, I mean, there's Gemaris, it's a parak in, in Masechus Saita, so it's obviously, but Saita doesn't have that many Mepharshim on it to begin with, and how much can you write on Egla Rufa? It's one little mitzvah in the Torah, he wrote it at 18 years old. It's probably a little contrast, right? It's probably like a four-page, five-page pamphlet. He wrote a chibur mole, mamish, at 18 years old. And in the back there is mafteicha. See, if you want to just see how great Reb Chaim Kanievsky is, at, already from a young age, you'll look at the Sefer. I think it may have been the first Sefer that he wrote. I think it has Askama in the front from his father. But he weaves Kala into this one mitzvah Rufa. He knows Kala and every single sugya in Shas, he somehow fits in to, this, to these halachas of Egla Rufa. So the halachas of Egla Rufa are on the top from the Rambam, and then he, he writes a running commentary and brings every single shitan. If you make a bracha on the mitzvah Egla Rufa, you don't make a bracha, what bracha would you make on the mitzvah Egla Rufa? And you know, every single prat and sifkatan that you could ever fathom of Egla Rufa, he writes it. And the name of the sefer is Nachal Eisan. What is this word, Eisan? What does this word Eisan mean? It means like a hard, rocky terrain. But I think that those of you that are in the DAP know that this week we had a, uh, we had a, uh, a Gemara that says that the Aves were called the Eisanim, Eisane Aretz. They were the strong ones. They were the rock. Avram was called Eitan HaEzrachi. If you ever have a friend, you know anyone by the name of Eitan. So Eitan really comes from the Avram, it was another name for Avram. Avram was the Eitan, he was the rock. So I think that Nachal Eitan might be an allusion to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, he was the one that was Mechadish, like the Ramam says, he was the Chayk Shechakaka Avram Avinu. He was Mechadish, this mitzvah of, of Levaya. And if you fail to do this mitzvah of Levaya, then this is what happens. You have a, 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 a Nachal Eitan. You have to throw this name off the rock, but at all, you should have followed Avram Avinu, you should have followed the Asa. Now that you didn't, now this is the process that you have to do. Rabbi Sonnenschein told me yesterday uh, that he heard from his Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Yenison David. Rabbi Yenison David is a Rosh Hashiva in Pachad Yitzchak in Eretz Yisrael in Arnov. And he, was a, he is a son-in-law of Rabbi Putner, Zechot Tzadik Levracha. And He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant Rosh Hashiva. He's like off the charts brilliant and very creative and his svarim are starting to come out and he so, so Rabbi Sonnenschein learned by him and uh, whenever you hear a bar from Yannis and David it's like off the, it, it's, a, it's a brilliant bar. Anyway, so he says like this, he said that the word Eisan uh, as in Nachal Eisan comes from Aleph Yud Taf Nun now going back to the way we started about diktuk, you have to sometimes be a little bit of a bal diktuk. Whenever you want to transform a word from, let's say, hayve into asid, let's say instead of saying haylech or halach, I want to say that I will go. How would you say that? How do you say in Hebrew, I will go? Ani eilech, eilech with an aleph, I will go, eilech. If I want to say that we will go in the future, it will be Neleich. If I want to say that you will go, but with a feminine, that would be Teleich. And if I want to say it in a Zachar, that would be Yeleich. So 
those letters, Aleph, Yud, Tuf, Nun, are the four letters of the Alephase that convert a Haive into an Asid. You got that? Aleph, Yud, Tuf, Nun is what those letters that could be attached to the front of a word and suddenly it transforms the word into a futuristic tense. So he wants to say, if I understand what he's saying correctly, that the Nachal Eisan is what you have to do as a Kapara because you didn't... This guy had a future. This guy that was killed, he had a, a, a very, very promising future ahead. He had an Eisan ahead of him. He had so much to live for. But because you failed in your mission, you weren't Malava him out of the town, so now you have to take an animal, break its neck, throw it into this, into this rocky terrain because, as if to say, you killed somebody's future. By being Malava a person, what you're really doing is you're showing him that he's real. There's a joke that I love that there was a, a girl, because it's so true, there was a little girl in a restaurant and she was eating out with her family and there was a very good waitress and she goes over and she says, okay, I'm ready to take your order and she goes over to the father and she takes his order, okay, he wants, uh, he wants this for the appetizer and this for the main and then he goes, uh, she goes to the mother, what would you like? There's this little cute little girl and she says, and, and, and you, what would you like? She says, well, I'd like a piece of a uh, chicken cutlet, please. Okay, that's very good. It's delicious. And, and would you like some ketchup on the side? Oh, yeah, I love ketchup. Thank you. And, and you want a little, a little mashed potatoes? No, I'd rather have French fries. Oh, the French fries are a very good choice. And she's like doting on this little girl. And then this little girl like is, is, is beaming. She's shining. And, and the waitress walks away from the table. And the girl like looks at her mother and she says, Mom, she thinks I'm real. She thinks I'm real. She actually is treating me like a human being. Every person needs to be made to feel real in life. Every person, the most basic human requirement in life is to be made to feel real, to be made to feel relevant. Every person, I don't care who it is, every person deserves that. You have to treat people with respect. Doesn't matter how rich they are, how poor they are, how healthy they are, they sick, how sick they are, how good looking they are, how not good looking, how, how popular they are, how, not, how much yuchas they have. I don't care, it doesn't matter. If you're a human being, if you're Niver B'Tzalim Kim, and by the way, this is for Jews and Gayim alike, you have to treat them with a basic respect. That's the least that you owe another human being. A lot of times, it really, really bothers me. It really bothers me. When I go into a, uh, I'm, let's say I'm going into a shul, and, uh, and like there's a kid, or, or an adult for that matter, I'm like mamish, like five feet behind that person, and he sees me coming, and like he opened the door for himself, and then he just like lets the door shut right behind him. Like you couldn't, you couldn't wait like another, like literally two seconds and hold the door just, you don't have to like hold it for me like you're my doorman, but like at least like, Keep it open for me. Let me feel like I'm a human being. Why are you slamming the door in my face? Is that what I deserve? Is that how little you think, you think of me? And people do this all the time. I, I have a Talmud who is like 95 years old. And he always, how is he my Talmud? He, he comes to my Wednesday night share. I give a Wednesday night share for Balabatim and alumni. And, and he comes to it, or since COVID he actually hasn't. But for about 10 years he came every single week. And he's a wonderful person. And... Uh, it's an interesting story, but that, but 
he always tells me the same thing. He says there are these little kids or these teenagers. They mamish left the door, closed my case. I'm not. I'm not worthy. I'm, I went through the Holocaust for crying out loud. You can't hold the door for me. Like what, it costs you money to hold the door for me. When you're going into a, I don't care if it's a post office, if it's a restaurant, if it's a base matters, if it's a, you know, if it's a whatever, it doesn't matter. You hold the door. You see somebody coming, you hold the door. It's, it's the least thing that you could do for somebody to make them feel like they're they're actually a human being. They have a salam alaikum. They're normal. They're they're human. It's such a simple thing to do. Say good morning when you come into a security, you know, past the security. You say good morning to the guard. He's not. You know, it might be his job to sit there, but he, he's a human being. He deserves to have, you know, we once had a, on Thanksgiving morning, I think I once gave a schmooze about this sort of topic, and so it was Thanksgiving coming up, and one of the Talmudim in Yeshiva had a brilliant idea, and he, and he saw it through. We had a, thir- a Thanksgiving morning breakfast before everybody went home, like after, after Shear, it was like a Sunday schedule, so everybody went home if they wanted to, to, to eat their meal with their family or whatever. And, but for breakfast, we made a big breakfast and we had all of the, all of the, uh, all the, 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 the custodial staff and the security guard, anyone that was, you know, that does things for yeshiva in, in that department, Jonathan and the whole Hebra, they were sitting up on the dais where the rabbeim normally sit. And there were speeches given about them, and every the whole yeshiva was here, and we were giving them applauses, and they got they got like cards, and they got gift certificates, they got chocolate, and and the mamish were beaming, like the people that were that are complaining about this, and the guys you know don't throw their pizza out, and there's bugs coming, and there's you know, and they're always like fabissant about like how dirty everything is. They look all of a sudden. I saw that they had they had teeth. They were smiling. They were you know happy. And they, they thought, what did we do already? We gave them, you know, uh, you know we give software gift cards if you, uh, you know what I mean, if you, uh, whatever, you know, you, you, what, you make an Ashriyatsu, you get a software gift card, $50, right? So here, like, this, these guys, mamish, work like, they're, like crazy, so that the bathrooms are clean every day for us, and, 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 the, and the tables are set, and there's tablecloths for Shabbos, and, the, and, our, and our, 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 our rooms are, are swept, and, and, you know, and the classrooms are clean, the blackboards are... And, and you know, they don't deserve a little covered... They're, they're not Nivar B'Tzal Malikim. And it was the most beautiful, beautiful maimed that Yeshiva ever had, more than the Rish Kaidish breakfast, and more than the, you know, the... It's, it was beautiful. You mamish felt like you did. That Thursday weekend, I happened to have been speaking at the Agoda Convention, T4, and... And I said this story. That's, that's basically what I brought to the Agatha Convention. I said this story, and people were mamish nispal, that there was a yeshiva in America that gave honor to the custodial staff. And they were like applauding me. They were like, this is amazing. And we want to send our kids there. So that's why they never asked me back. But, um, but it's true. That was an amazing thing. We're nivra b'tselem elekim. Every human being is nivra b'tselem elekim. Everyone. And the more that you get that, the more you respect other people, the more you're following in the derech of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, for crying out loud, he thought the, these weren't like, uh, this wasn't the Mayatzis Gdeila that was visiting him. This was three Aravim. He thought they were three Arabs. How do we look at Arabs when, we, when we're in Eretz Israel? We're basically, I remember I was once on a bus with my son, and, uh, and there was like this really suspicious looking Arab teenager, and he had like this really heavy knapsack, and I thought, that was it. I said vidui. Like I, you know, like you automatically assume, and like you, you know, and I think everybody on the bus is like looking at him. Like he really looked like very suspicious. If 
finally Baruch Hashem he got off the bus and everybody like you know everyone's like looking at each other but like that's how we look at you know at, at Arab Avram Avinu treated them wait a minute come in Al Tavari please don't leave me you know now that he passed my my my, my path please you got to come in it was Yem he's giving them food he's giving them drink he's giving them he's washing their feet he's uh, you know he's escorting them who are these people these are people that were Arabim these are Arabs but he saw in them at Salam Aleichem he felt it was important to be machabed them that's what we take from Avram Avinu. And when we escort somebody, and I don't mean just the act of escorting, because act of escorting is like, okay, it's not negate me, I'm not a balabas, it's, I, don't, I, have, I don't have the opportunity to be malava people really out of my house. So how is the shmuz relevant to me? It's relevant every single day. Every single day, we can be malava everybody that we see. We're malava them by giving them a good morning, because that good morning stays with them, it escorts them throughout their entire day. It escorts them throughout their entire year for crying out loud. I once, Alfredo was just in passing, he was telling me that he's turning 60. This was like, I think, right before COVID started. He told me that, Agaborofi, just we were schmoozing, he just said that he was turning, he's turning 60. I said, look, look, this guy, you know, he's turning 60. He doesn't deserve like some some appreciation, so so what did I do? I told Ariel to take care of it. And and that's what I do all the time. I just, you know, I, I, I'm just joking. But we, we, we made him a party, we got him a big cake, and the guys came up and, you know, went out, I think, on the, on the and we, he felt so good. He was talking about that birthday for months and months and months. And my wife came for, uh, you know, for a meal on Shabbos, like a couple of months later, and my family, and, and Alfredo, like, runs over to her and says, your husband is a saint. He made me a 60th birthday party. It's so easy to be malava people. It's not just when you have a guest in your house. You're, you're a host. You're hosting the world. Every time you walk in the street, you're hosting somebody. If you say good morning, that good morning stays with them their entire lives. You'll remember it. If a little child holds open a door for you when you come into shul, you'll say, wow, this child is a good kid. His parents raised him really, really well. But if a kid, like, lets the door, like, smack you in the head, you say, like, well, this kid, like, his parents are really, like, they dropped the ball on this kid. He must be like a, a benzakunim or something. Like, they had no patience anymore for their kids, and this is what happened. And that's the, that's the lesson of, of Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu made everybody feel good. He made the Arabi feel good. He made the Rabbi feel good. He made Klal Yisrael feel good. He made all the Avram Meshavim, all the people that came past the Hasidish Shesvarim say on that Rashi that he was sitting there waiting for Avram Meshavim. Avram Meshavim simply means the wafers, the people that are going back and forth. Avram and Shav. So Hasidish Hassarim write beautifully that Ivram Meshavim means he looked for the, those people that were Ivra Averis. Ivra, they were, they were sinners, Meshavim, and he wanted them to do tshuva. So he was Makariv them. He wasn't Makariv the, the Chashavah people. He went and, and he went for the people that really needed the Kiro. He need, the, they needed that extra, that extra smile, that extra sensitivity, that extra warmth, that extra... Levoy, the Ivram Meshavim, 
the people that are Ibra Averis, and he wanted them to be shav, he wanted them to be brought back into the fold, to be made to feel real. That's why Abraham Avinu went and he, and he worked on. And that's why we have the world that we do. The world that we do came from one person, Abraham Avinu. All the chesed that's in this world all stems from... He was mecha, otherwise, this world would be one big sadaim. It is one big sadaim. But if there is pockets of chesed in the world, it's because of Abraham Avinu. It's Abraham Avinu. This concept of giving somebody of your, of, your, of your food and of your drink and then making them feel good by being malava them, by making them feel like it's Salam Aleichem, I'm a human being and he gets that I'm a human being. He made me feel warm. He made me feel relevant. He made me feel special. And it's free. It's the, it's the biggest part of Achlan Zarkin, but it's the, it's the cheapest. If you're saying, well, I can't be, I don't want to spend money on you. I, that's fine. You don't have to. How much does it cost to give somebody a smile? How much does it cost to remember that it's his birthday and to wish him a happy birthday? It's free. How much does it cost to say, oh, I love your tie. It's really, that's a beautiful tie you're wearing. Like, really nice. Where'd you get it from? That's Avraham Avinu. That's the chayk shachakaku Avraham Avinu v'derech hachesed shenagba. Michael Ivory Drachim, Umashkaisan, Umalabaisan. The Levoy is the that's the linchpin of the Mitzvah Mazakim. And it's something that we're Malava people every step of the way. I want to just finish off with a story that Rabbi Sunshine told me about Rabbi Yanis and David, and I think it's a great tie-in to that Vard of Aislam that he said. So everybody knows the singer Rabbi Shlomo Karlabach. So Rabbi Shlomo Karlabach, when he was a Bachar, was uh, brilliant, brilliant, aspiring Talmud Chacham, and he comes from tremendous yichus. The Karlbach family is, uh, you know, very, very, uh, very big yichus in Germany. And he was, a, and, uh, and he first he was in Chaim Berlin, I think, and then he went to Lakewood. And both Rav Hutner and Rav Aaron were crazy about him. They were crazy about him. And you know, he he, he made up the nigunim that Rav Aaron loved, Lulei Sayraska. You know that that everybody sings, and you know Rav Aaron loved that nigan, and so Rav and David, who was a big Chaim Berliner, obviously married upon his daughter, he went to the Levaya in Eretz Yisrael of Rav Shlomo Karlbach. If you ever go to Har Menuchos, Rav Shlomo has a kever that's uh, you know that's very well visited. They have a lot of candles by him. It's like a like mamish, like a like a rebbe kever. Like people go there and they on his yard site. It's a big maimed. Anyway, so Rabbi and David, who would not be a person that you would naturally think would go to the Levi of Shlomo Karlobach in Eretz Yisrael, he was there. He was spotted in the crowd, and they asked him, like, "Why did you go? Like, why did you? We know that you knew him a little bit from Chaim Berlin. He was in Yeshiva. Like, why did you feel like you know that you should go to his Levi?" So he said the following. He said, "When I was a bacher in Yeshiva in Chaim Berlin, so I went to Europe." For one year, I don't know why, but he went to teach Tyra in Europe after you know it was after the war, and there were these communities in Europe, and they needed chizuk, and they needed uh, you know, I guess it was going back to the 1950s, maybe you know 10, 15 years after the war was over, and he wanted to give of his Tyra to to, to Klal that were found in Europe at the time, so he did that. Now, when he left, it was a big deal, obviously, to go on a boat. He had to go on a boat. To Europe, and at the port, as as he was about to leave, Rav Shlomo Karlbach showed up. 
Shlomo Kalabach was in the yeshiva and he knew that he was going. So he escorted him. He was malabahim to the port. And then at, he got on the boat, he got on the ship to, to go to Eretz to go to Europe. And, uh, and, and he brought his guitar with him. And he was playing nigunim to him. And as the boat was leaving, was pulling out of the port, he heard Reb Shlomo Kalabach singing these beautiful nigunim. And it warmed him, and it, and it gave him chizuk to go and to do his mission. It gave him an eson. It gave him the, the, the future. It, gave him, it showed him that he had a future, that he was going on a mission, that his Salam Aleichem was vindicated, was justified, and that he should be strong. And he says, that's why I went to his Levaya, because he was Malava me, and now I want to be Malava him. That's what we're doing with our life. We're basically singing to people. We're giving them chizuk. We're giving them hope. We're giving them the feeling that I'm, 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 I'm good. I have friends. I have people that care about me. I have warmth. You don't know maybe what it feels like when people are ignoring you, when people are, are not including you in things. If you have, there's a click, and you went to this yeshiva, or you're in that major, or you're in that room, and then there are, and you're going uh, skiing together, and you're going to Florida together, and you're going on Pesach together somewhere, and you're, you're, you know, you're making a special chabura together. You don't know maybe what it feels like if you're not in the clique, how it feels like not to be in the clique. You don't understand how that tarnishes and it sullies my tzalem alikim. I feel like I'm, I'm not relevant. You obviously didn't include me. I feel like I'm... I'm not special. You're special. I'm not special. My Salam Aleichem is not as, as important, as relevant as yours is. And when you take a, a, a person like that, a Bachar that you see is, is in great need of a little shining of his Salam Aleichem, a little covered, and you give it to him, what you're doing is nothing short of literally being Mechaia Mason. Mechaye Mesma Mar, it's night by Maginavas, you'll read Mechaye Mesma Maginavas, Bidvaroi, Mechaye Mesma Maroi. What does it mean? You're Mechaye, Hakarishbrahu is Mechaye Mesma Maroi, with his word. And the Svar Makadashim say that that's what we're also. We're able to Mechaye Mesim with a word. We don't have to know CPR to be Mechaye Mesim, we don't have to join Hatzala to be Mechaye Mesim. We just have to give a kind word to somebody. If we say a nice good morning, a nice good Shabbos, how are you feeling? You're looking really good. I like your haircut. These are words that you might think are just nothing. It's but it's not. It's You're literally resuscitating a person's a person's nefesh with your words. It's free. But it's something that if we learn how to do, you literally you touch every single life that you pass. You're, you take the, the person that feels bitter and that feels alone and that feels desperate and you say a nice word to that person and you basically just breathe the Ruach HaLekim Chaim into him. And it's something that's so important for us to learn at a young age. If we learn this now, today, we can literally have the capacity to change the entire world. And I don't mean, you know, people in, uh, all over the globe. I don't mean they have to be a rock star. I mean that the world that you're in, the shul that you're going to be davening in, your family, if you could give a nice word to your wife once in a while, give a nice word to your children, make them feel special. Wow, you got a 75 on the test. That's amazing. 
Some parents, you know, you get a 75 on the test, they throw you out of the house and make you sleep in the doghouse that night. I, I tell my kids the opposite. I said, I don't want to see hundreds. I don't want, I don't want you coming. If you have a hundred, stay away. Stay in yeshiva that day. I'm not looking for your hundreds. I want you to try your best. And whatever, if you get a 75, I'll give the kid a kiss because that means you knew 75% of the material. That's amazing. Think about that. 75% of the material you know. But most parents, they're worried about the 25% or the 5% or the 1% that you didn't know. But what did he know? If I'm a stock picker and I pick 75% of my stocks are winners, I'm Warren Buffett. If a kid comes home with a 75 on the test, he's Warren Buffett in his class. Aye, but so many other kids got high. You know, how many times they ask me, did anyone get higher than this? Like, what do you care? What is that, what, how is that relevant? If you're able to give a positive word to your, to your roommates, you're able to give a positive word to your Rebbe, you're able to give a positive word to your, the people that daven in your shul. You're changing worlds, your coworkers, your boss, your, your employees, the custodial staff, the, 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 the people that are in the post office that have thankless jobs, the Balkaria who worked so hard every Shabbos to prepare, and you just like walk out after, you know, after Minyan is over to the Kiddush. You ever think that maybe the guy deserves the Yashukayach? He's been spending the better part of his week making sure that you're Yaitse, you're Kriya, and, and, and you couldn't even give him a Yashukayach? Or about feel that Davin so nicely, or even if he Davin horribly, but you go over and you say, Yashukayach, beautiful? Did that cost you anything? Did it take away from your covet? Absolutely nothing. It didn't affect your cover. If anything, it, en it enhances your cover. You're chashev now. These are lessons that we take with us for life. These are lessons that we learn from Abraham Avinu. These parshias are so rich that if we're able to take this one lesson, then the whole, the whole parsha, the whole year, the whole world is kedai. Amir Hashem, we should follow in the footsteps literally of Abraham Avinu. Ask yourself, how and when will I already be able to at least follow a little bit in Avram Avinu's footsteps? Walk people after, your, after you give them tea and you drink, you're malava them. But you're malava people wherever you go. Make people feel special, good, warm, relevant. Covet, salam alikim. And when we do this, we can literally be Avram Avinu in our times in a mitzvah Hashem. We will be. Have a wonderful Shabbos.